The Nebo Company presents Leading the Emergence with your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome to Leading the Emergence. I'm Kate Ebner, your host, and I'm absolutely delighted today to be in a conversation with a leader whom I greatly admire. Um, Charlotte Kaiser is the Managing Director of NatureVest. Um, NatureVest is a part of the Nature Conservancy, and it's a, a team that she helped to build and has been leading for the past three years. In her role at NatureVest, Charlotte um, works with investors to create portfolios that can support nature and climate. A simple way of describing what Charlotte does is, as she puts it, we're working towards a world where the natural world is valued as an asset. Um, Charlotte holds an, a BA from Harvard in environmental science and public policy, a master's in environmental science from Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and an MBA from Yale School of Management. And I think it's always inspiring to hear her thinking um, not so much even from her impressive educational background, but from her hands-on experience in the work of um, protecting and preserving the natural world. So welcome today, and thank you for being my guest, Charlotte. For having me, Kate. It's a joy to be with you today. For me as well. I think, Charlotte, as you know, we're, our, our series is called Leading the Emergence, and we've been exploring the idea that um, this pandemic um, of 2020 and 2021 has had a transformative effect on the world and on our society, our way of thinking, our way of understanding what's happening in the world. And so what I really had hoped to do with you today was to step back a little bit and for all of us to have a moment to consider what is emerging as we think about the natural world. And even as I say this, I think we're in the grips of major fires in the West um, for the second year in a row um, this year, uh, incredibly frightening, uh, perhaps even more so than last, and it's still early. Um, we're thinking about uh, weather events um, all over the globe that are affecting um, you know, agriculture, uh, the way people live. Um, we're looking at um, global warming that's creating a rise in water levels affecting cities, um, uh, again, there's no denying that things are changing. And it's a time when I think many of us are feeling um, like we don't know exactly what to make of it or what to do about it. And so I think today, uh, I know, Charlotte, that you have put a great deal of thought into the future and particularly the future of the natural world. Um, I'm hoping that you can help us um, think a little bit about what's emerging in the in the 2020s that we can tune into and begin to pay attention to and care about, get involved with. Um, I'm going to just start with a very simple question, which is from the role that you play in the world, Charlotte, what do you see as you look out into the 2020s and perhaps beyond? What is it that you're paying attention to? Um, for your listeners, I'm, I'm talking to you from Missoula, Montana, where we're in probably our 12th straight day of bad air quality from fires both near us and, and uh, all the way in Oregon and California. Um, and so what that tells me is, is the thing that I see looking ahead, which is and, and which the, the global pandemic proved to us beyond the shadow of a doubt, which is that we are all interconnected and we 
rely heavily on the natural world for our health and well-being. And all of that can change in an instant. The novel coronavirus is a zoonotic pandemic, which the threat of which is increasing as a result of climate change and also the habitat loss that's driving the, the, the largest driving force for threats to biodiversity. Nature matters and we are part of it. And our lives depend on her for their quality and their substance in, in every fundamental way. And what I see looking out into the 2020s is a growing realization across the finance sector where I work and, and all of industry and all of the economy um, that that is true and that we ignore it at our peril and that the successful leaders of the future are going to be those who understand and, and really deeply explore and internalize that, that connection uh, and those relationships and whose strategies support them. I'm thinking about this um, powerful point that you're making, Charlotte, that, you know, what is revealed from the pandemic, perhaps um, in a, such a dramatic way, is, is that we are all interconnected, that what happens in the natural world, what, particularly when things swing out of balance, affects us all, even if we're not um, in, in an exact geography where the event is happening, that we're part of this larger system and that we are all connected. And I wonder, you know, one of the things I've thought a lot about over the years is um, how do we hold the the focus and the care when it can feel so overwhelming to think about like the future of the planet, you know, like how do we make that something that we don't just kind of put our heads down and close our eyes and say, uh, I don't even know where to start or what, what a difference I could make, what, what, you know, in my world, in my life. And I'm, I'm curious about that. I think, I think you offer us a clue with this idea of our connectedness and I'm just curious where you would go with that. And let me say, I too put my head down on my desk some days um, uh, and feel deeply overwhelmed by how much is before us. Um, but, you know, I, I draw a lot of hope um, and, and an analogy from uh, the experience we've had here in the United States over the last 15 months um, around efforts against systemic racism stemming from the murder of George Floyd and the, the protests that came out of that and a realization across all of society that each of us, you know, is a participant in the system and therefore has a role to play in dismantling it. And that is exactly the same for the global economy and the impact it's having on the planet and its other inhabitants and on the, the global climate. So, you know, I say that not to say that we are each responsible uh, uh, for for saving the whole planet, because you're right, that's a terrifyingly overwhelming prospect. But instead to think about the ways that we participate in the system and how can we begin to dismantle it. And I don't mean, you know, recycle uh, and walk to work, although those are important things to do, but really to think so, for example, you know, investors that I speak with <clears throat> are investing in agriculture. Well, how do we dismantle the 
the conventional system of agriculture that strips the soil asset away and doesn't regenerate it and instead create investments that are positive for soil and biodiversity and for, and for climate um, and, and become participants in, in the healing instead of the breaking. Uh, so for leaders everywhere, you know, if you are an education organization, how are you talking about nature and climate? Are you talking about it enough? Um, do you understand uh, the connections between the work you're doing and, and people's views on the planet and, and how can you do more? Um, for a, you know, a, a financial services institution, you know, what, what is the footprint of your investment portfolio? How can you make it better? How can you be a contributor to, to positive biodiversity and climate outcomes instead of the reverse? So it's really kind of, you know, put down your bucket where you are and, and pull up the water and, and see what it looks like and, and think about where, what you can be doing in your, in your piece of the system, uh, to, to rebuild it. Thank you, Charlotte. That's, um, that's, that is a great metaphor. I think put down your bucket where you are and pull it up and take a look at it and uh, maybe like not be afraid to take a look at it because I think, you know, the more we know, the more we see, you know, ways that we can help and get involved. And I'm curious, you know, one of the things that's always kind of captured me about your mission at Nature Vest is this idea that we're, we want to we want to create opportunities for investors to invest in to see nature as an asset, and I'm curious if you could just say a little bit more about that. Like, what's the, the like that something about that seems like shouldn't we already be looking at it that way? But then in another way, you realize that this is really turning the idea of investing on its head. And so I'm curious to just hear you talk a little bit about what's the paradigm shift that you're working on with this. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, it is a paradigm shift um, because nature has always been an asset, but it hasn't been one we've accounted for on the books. Uh, and and so what we're trying to do at NatureVest is is create investments that that do have that accounting, so that it's visible to the investment community uh, writ large as well as to our individual investors. Uh, what value is being contributed by nature and um, what risk is being managed by appropriate stewardship of nature. Uh, so for example, um, in an agriculture and water investment, um, what, what commitments are being made to ensure the groundwater is replenished um, so that that asset is there uh, for the life of the investment? Um, in a forest investment, you know, how is the harvesting being managed to also deliver uh, the clean water uh, of the streams that flow through that forest um, rather than, than destroying that water quality? Um, so it's really kind of writing a new set of rules uh, for asset management <clears throat> that account for the value of nature and preserve it. So as the fog lifts and we start to really look around and see what that landscape looks like now, we recognize a lot of familiar things, I think, Charlotte, and we also are seeing that some things are not the same or some things have become more clear. And um, I think that for a while people had the idea that we would go back to the way things were, but I think we understand now that uh, we cannot, that there's 
great wisdom and learning to take from the pandemic experience. And that there's also a need to be very realistic and courageous as we look at what's lies ahead for us. Um, so my question here is, you know, looking to, I don't know, it's 2021. So let's say 30, 20, 2031. Um, what do you think will be the, um, the headlines that occupy us over the next decade when it comes to the natural world? It's such a, it's a question that gives me a little bit of chills to think about the answer to, because we are, we are, at a, a real moment of choice. Um, and there is, this is the year when we must kind of step bravely into that choice. And the thing that I, I, makes me hopeful is if we learn nothing else in the past 15 months, we learned that life can take many other forms than the one we imagine based on the one we live today. And it, it opened our eyes to the possibility of drastic change. Um, and while many people suffered, uh, and I don't mean to just make light of that at all, the world went on um, and society went on and it looked totally different. And yet it, it, here we all are. And, that's that's what's going to have to happen uh, for us to have a headline in 2031 um, about salmon coming back uh, to their rivers um, instead of, um, this is front of mind because I read an article today in the New York Times about salmon being roasted alive in the Columbia River um, uh, in Oregon because of the high temperatures this year and the low water levels because of the extreme drought. That's what's at stake. And so I think, I, I think the headlines over the next 10 years, you know, there's sort of, there's behind door A or behind door B. And, and what I would love for us all to do is take those steps towards door A so that we can walk through it. And then the headlines start to read, uh, about new commitments that governments are making about new commitments uh, that investors are making um, and that that the way we live starts to look different um, in, in ways that we can see in those headlines. I love that. You know, I, I think what you just did is fascinating. You, you took the opportunity to look ahead and forecast some headlines and you, you looked into a future in which um, things could be, could be perilous. And then you recast it for us as a visioning exercise to envision what we want those headlines to say and um, to invite us to really see making changes as a natural part of life and, and as an inevitable and important uh, adjustment that we now have proven that we can do as a result mm -hmm. of that pandemic. So I thank you for that. That was a really wonderful answer. Um, thank you. You know, and I think one thing that stands out to me is um, um how attached we often are to the past, right? The idea mm -hmm. that, that, oh, it used to be so much better, right? We used to have, you know, deeper snow in the winter. We used to have more fun sledding. We used to have, you know, the, the ability to, you know, have more leisure. We used to have, and so we tend to look back, right, with a, a nostalgic um, lens and see the past as something that we want to return to or reclaim. And I it strikes me in the work that I do as a leadership coach and as somebody who works with visioning 
that the biggest opportunity we might have right now is to be willing to, to, I keep saying the word courage, but to courageously lift our heads and look into the future and say, how do we want it to be given what we in reality must be responsible for? And then let's work toward that instead of putting our energy uh, toward trying to reclaim something that so clearly is now behind us. Mm -hmm. So I I really appreciated um, your your answer and your thoughts there. And um, I guess what I'm wondering for um, for people who are listening and thinking about the emergence, you know, I, I'm hearing you say a few really clear things for us today. One is that um, we can learn from the pandemic that we're all connected um, and that those connections, that, that, that something that happens somewhere happens to all of us, right? And so mm-hmm. that's a source of strength. And I, I guess I wonder if you have... Um, uh, when you think about a connected world in which we're all working toward a sustainable and uh, a thriving future for all species and all life, um, what does that look like to you, um, Charlotte? Like, what do you, what do you, what, how would we behave? What would, what would it be like to be a part of that? It's, I think in many ways, a lot of the behaviors we've seen this year are, are those that we, we need to sustain. Um, we cared for each other. We, we wore masks to care for other people and protect them. The, the most profound lesson of the pandemic for me is what I do. You know, I can choose to save others through my own actions. Um, and, and so the, it's a, it's a smaller world in some ways. It's a, it's a, it's a world where we live a little closer to the ground. Literally we fly less um, and figuratively we're, we feel more connected uh, to the planet. Um, so I think we, we behave in community. Um, I think that's, that's something that will be required of us. Uh, to to take responsibility for our community and for the global community, um, it needs to be a more equal world um, where more voices are heard, more different kinds of voices. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you know, being aware of connection is is really starts with relationships with one another. Um, and deepening those connections, and I'm I'm thinking of your comment earlier in our conversation about how this really does draw on indigenous tradition of of uh, a regenerative world, um, and so we behave more more like our ancestors. Um, ironic, since you you began this by talking about not clinging to the past, but I think the deep past of our ancestors and the communities they built um, should inspire us and to think about how we want the future to look. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think, I think, um, you know, what pops to my mind is um, we did some work earlier in the spring um, working with Loyola university and looking at these big themes um, coming for leaders now. Right. And the, and environmental sustainability and healthy communities was one of our themes. And, we were talking a bit about the idea of um, being stewards of, of the planet with the, not, not the next generation in mind, but seven generations out 
And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of people joked and said, I think I could think about five generations, but seven, mm-hmm. you know, like it's hard for us to think for the longer term um, and to live that way. But I think your point about when we start to think about us, right, instead of me, it can be, it can really shift the choices that we make or the way that we um, pass things along, you know, what we value and how we talk about uh, what matters in the world. And I, I mean, I'd love to really see us evolve our definitions of success or a successful life mm-hmm. to go beyond sort of an economic definition of success to a, a more balanced and um, fulfilling and uh, responsible uh, vision of success. So anyway, you've got me thinking, Charlotte, clearly. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners today to just um, help us um, learn from you? Oh, um, thanks. I, I Maybe I'll make two quick points. First, just what you were talking about around definitions of success. I think another big lesson of the pandemic is who, who are the who are the people we need in society and they aren't the ones we thought they were. Right. And and who are the, the vital uh, contributors to our society, the, the workers without whom none of us would function. And I think, I think we're learning, you know, a successful society, we're understanding kind of who those, those contributors are. And I think that's pointing us in the direction of a different definition of success for all of us. Um, notwithstanding, you know, various billionaires going to space recently. Um, I think what I would love to leave you all with is this, this notion. When I talk to investors about valuing biodiversity risk in their portfolios, they, they behave as, as often as someone just kind of frozen staring at the sun and, and totally paralyzed and overwhelmed by the complexity of what I asked them to do. And, and, and what I say to them is what I'd say to everyone listening, which is just take a step. You know, we do not have a perfect answer. And in fact, the answer changes as the systems around us evolve. And so just take that, that step, lean in open your heart to what might be possible and think about just directionally what is what is more regenerative what is what is less extractive what is giving back instead of taking and do that step um, and then another and then another and don't feel you have to solve this whole problem or save this whole planet um, but take your step. My guest today is Charlotte Kaiser of Nature Best. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for sharing your experience and, and for helping us um, get, I think, get a hold of um, what, where we are and where we, we want to be and where we need to be attentive. Um, I think it's been a really powerful, important conversation and one that I know I'll keep thinking about um, as we end I want to say, just say thank you to you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It was really wonderful to talk to you today. The pleasure's mine. Thank you. Leading the Emergence is sponsored by The Nebo Company. 
If you would like to talk to Nebo about how to support the leaders in your organization, please contact us at www.nebocompany.com. Thank you.